As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome in, 49ers and the Browns, the 5-0 49ers and the Browns. And the Browns, they present a challenge to this San Francisco team. I know we talked about this last week, and the 49ers won the challenge. The 49ers knocked the formerly number one ranked Cowboys defense down a peg. Well, now they have another chance to take on a number one defense. It's the Cleveland Browns now, thanks to the fact that the 49ers did do that damage against the Cowboys. And this one is on the road. This one might be happening in the rain in Cleveland. Last I checked, there was about a 70% chance. And uh, this one might be happening in a little bit of a, a trap game format because the Browns are coming off of a bye. They've had some time to prepare for the 49ers. They will be locked in trying to, uh, I think, throw the kitchen sink at a team that's favored over them. And the 49ers, meanwhile, are coming off of an emotional win against Dallas, and they have to travel to the Eastern time zone. So it's one of those games where you do have to look out if you're the 49ers. That, I guess, can be said for almost every week in the NFL. But this one in particular, Matt, has a few challenging dynamics lined up, especially for the 49ers offense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the 49ers had a, a victory Monday, uh, well-deserved, but I, I think it was their first of the year. Uh, the Browns are coming off their bye. You're right. This has all the, the makings of a, of a trap game and will test the 49ers' uh, professionalism, their, their readiness. I mean, to me, that's what stood out about this team, uh, that it's a very professional team. Um, your Christian McCaffrey's, your Nick Bosa's, your Fred Warner's, these are all guys who are uh, not going to let a team sneak up on them. So I, I, my sense is that the 49ers are going to be just fine for this game. And they've got, you know, a bit of a, a luck element on their side. I mean, you look at the Cleveland Browns injury report for Wednesday, and obviously that can change later today, and we'll have to keep our eye on it. But boy, it was a who's who of guys who weren't practicing, uh, beginning with their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, dealing with a, uh, a shoulder injury from I think it was week week uh, week three. Um, that is a rotator cuff. Didn't practice. It could be PJ Walker as the uh, as the starter against the 49ers. I, I got to think that uh, the 49ers uh, uh, are. Relishing going up against a uh, a relatively inexperienced backup like PJ PJ Walker, not even on the active roster at this point. Um, he's on the practice squad, but would be bumped up ahead of Dorian Thompson Robinson. So um, that's uh, that's a major storyline in Cleveland that obviously affects the 49ers. Yeah, and I don't think that this 49ers defense would, would struggle at all in, in such a situation because there's no Nick Chubb either on the other side. And this, I mean, this is a tremendously imbalanced Cleveland team. Number one defense, DVOA, number 26 down on offense. And they were hit hit or miss even with Deshaun Watson. He, he, he was really struggling last year, got a little bit better this season. The 
game uh, before he started missing time with injury was probably his best contest, but still a really inconsistent offense without Chubb in there. And, uh, you know, if it is P.J. Walker, the 49ers saw for six throws in Carolina last year in garbage time, uh, I, I do think that the Browns would be on the lower scoring end of the spectrum. The thing is that the Browns, with their defense, can threaten to drag your offense down into the lower end of the scoring spectrum. Because, you know, let's talk about this Cleveland defense, Matt. On You have a defensive line that, at least along the front line, the front four, rivals the 49ers in terms of both talent and veteran savvy. Miles Garrett is as good as they come. I think that Nick Bosa and Miles Garrett in the same game, that's going to be a treat for people who appreciate defensive football. It's going to be a real treat for the people like Trench Warfare because Miles Garrett against Trent Williams is is an A-list ticket in the NFL. But not only do they have Miles Garrett, they have Zadarius Smith, who played for the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings before. He's about as good of a bookend B-list edge rusher as there is. Then they have Dal- Dalvin Tomlinson, who, I, you know, he's not a Javon Hargrave or Aaron Donald's level, but he's a really good interior defensive tackle. And then they have Shelby Harris, who's been around the league and is a guy that's got plenty of veteran guile. So that front four, you talk to the 49ers in the locker room, they'll tell you, they play a lot like San Francisco's front four. Uh, they they attack. They don't do any reading at the line of scrimmage. They're there to attack. They've racked up sacks already this year. They've imposed their will on games. Miles Garrett has six sacks and 23 pressures. Uh, this is going to be a big test. And Matt, I, I might, might even venture into the territory of saying it will be a bigger test than facing Dallas's defensive line because Dallas and their best player have a pronounced weakness. Micah Parsons, you can run straight at him, and that's what the 49ers did. You can take his tendency to over-pursue and and use it against him. Uh, I don't think you could do that with Miles Garrett. I don't think he's a defensive lineman with a weakness. He's bigger than Micah Parsons. He's stronger at the point of attack. So it's going to take a tremendously balanced effort uh, as far as, you know, just trying to keep that defensive line on its heels for the 49ers to win this game because Miles Garrett is such a quality anchor of that defensive line. I was watching Micah Parsons uh, throughout the, the game on Sunday, and he, he lined up on the right side of the 49ers offensive line on the first four snaps. And then the 49ers uh, ran left on two of those, and they had kind of quickie throws to Brandon Ayuk on the other two. And then Parsons moved to the left side. So he's going up against uh, Trent Williams uh, for, you know, uh, I don't want to say the majority of the rest of the game, but um, they they moved him around quite a bit and that didn't work for him either, given the, given the matchup. So uh, my question to you is what do you think that the Browns will do with Garrett? I know that he likes to uh, line up um, over the, uh, the left tackle. That's, that's where he makes most of his bones, but, Will will the Browns see that and 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 look at the opportunity on the other side and move him around a bit? How do you see them using Miles Garrett as a as a chess piece? Well, it was interesting because in one of the games earlier this year where the Browns were really feeling it along the defensive line, they they were they were rolling, and Miles Garrett did a couple of those interior blitzes, and uh, this one went viral. Uh, online and, and on Sports Center, and all the highlight shows because Garrett was had some swagger at that point. He was doing like a little fake Allen Iverson crossover dribble uh, before before the <laughs> the snap. He was just getting in the offensive line's head. He was just dripping with confidence, and then obviously he bolted in either for a sack or a big hit for some kind of turnover. Uh, I'll have to go watch that that play again. But he he rushed against the right guard, if I remember correctly, on that play. So it just goes to show you that. Miles Garrett, you got to be ready for him to line up anywhere. I think that the marquee matchup will be when he lines up against left tackle. I hope to see that quite a bit because who wouldn't want to watch Trent Williams against Miles Garrett? Those are the two most physically gifted players at their respective positions. I, I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, both of these guys are um, complete studs on on the offensive and and the defensive line, respectively. So. That's going to be a lot of fun, but if he lines up, if Garrett lines up over Colton McKivitz, then that's a measuring stick opportunity, right, for the 49ers because they, I think Colton really struggled against T.J. Watt to open the season, gave up those three sacks 
uh, in week one. But I think he's been progressively better every single week with last week being his biggest challenge. And he started giving up uh, a little bit of pressure last week, but he didn't give up nearly as much as Mike McGlinchey allowed to Micah Parsons in the game January last year. I talked to Spencer Burford in the locker room yesterday, and he said that he feels that the the, the sense of cohesion between him and uh, Colton McKibbitts on the right side is is really starting to take off. And yet you could see the four anners in the aggregate rankings of uh, run blocking ranked number three in the NFL, which has been better than last season. Pass protection wise, they're down at number twenty, but it's it's improving, right? They started near the bottom of the league with that performance against Pittsburgh, which which makes it all the more remarkable that they're just blowing teams out. That shows you what what Brock Purdy is doing. But if that line continues to improve, the 49ers will just solidify their position as Super Bowl favorites. I think that's the one variable that you really need to improve. And that's why this matchup with Miles Garrett, wherever he lines up, is going to tell us a lot about the direction that the 49ers are headed in, Matt. I, I got a question in my uh, mailbag this week about Spencer Burford, and um, he's been, I guess, inconsistent is the uh, the nicest way to put it. Um, and the question was, you know, do you do you see a scenario where he gets replaced by one of the the veteran offensive linemen? And John Feliciano came in for Aaron Banks uh, in the third quarter. He played really well. Um, you know, the Forty ers obviously were were rolling at that point. Had already sort of taken. Uh, something out of the of the Cowboys defensive line. And then, um, you know, the other thing I thought was interesting is that Matt Pryor came into the game and, and we've been seeing Matt Pryor play right tackle exclusively throughout the offseason. He played uh, a little left guard at the end of the game because Feliciano replaced uh, 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 Jake Brendel at center uh, late in the game. So, I mean, he's another option there. I didn't realize how much guard Pryor had played in the past. Um, so getting back to Burford, um, he, he just seems to, um, he, he gets too high sometimes. He gets off balance sometimes. It's pass protection where he's had that inconsistency. I think he's been really good in the run game. And, and that's sort of the, the lure of, uh, of Spencer Burford. He's very athletic. Uh, he can move well in space. He's big. He's got long arms. He's everything you want at guard. He's just a little out of control sometimes, it seems like. So, uh, I mean, do you see the uh, Chris Furster making any changes there? Will they, they ride uh, Spencer Burford uh, until later in the season? Uh, how do you see that guard position playing out? Well, the thing is that the two are connected, right? If you establish a dominant run blocking offensive line especially given the formational adaptability that the 49ers have opponents aren't going to be sure if you're running or passing and and if that run game is as lethal as the 49ers have opened this season with then it's going to help the pass protection because it, it diffuses opposing pass rushes so right now Burford is basically buying himself time to develop as a pass protector thanks to how well he's hitting the second level in his run blocks. So on the Christian McCaffrey 65-yarder to open the season in Pittsburgh, everybody seemed to make a good block. Everybody's talking about the receivers downfield. I know what Brandon Ayuk did was wildly impressive. Ray Ray McLeod crossing the field. But it was at the point of attack where the 49ers got a hat on a hat. And, and we can't take a play like that for granted because they relied on Burford to, to, to take out Cole Holc- Holcomb, who's one of the Pittsburgh linebackers, about four or five yards downfield within a split second. I mean, he Burford had a burst off the line, get up to that second level to make that block. And that's exactly what you're talking about, Matt. That's that's the appeal of Spencer Burford is that he is very athletic. He is able to get out into the difficult spaces that the 49ers need him to get out into. And they're, they're ranked as the number three run blocking unit in football for a reason, because all of these guys are executing the tough asks that Kyle Shanahan has of them so the pass protection has to get better but again this offense is scoring 30 plus a game despite the fact that the pass protection has been lagging especially with Spencer Burford at right guard because they are diffusing these pass rushes with with how well they they can threaten in the run game so I think that that Burford is on the right track I think that it has gotten better as far as as pass protection uh, goes I you know I don't think it's been linear I do think there has been some inconsistency 
But keep in mind that that they faced great defensive linemen every single week here, right? It's just starting with uh, the Steelers. That yes, they had T.J. Watt on the outside, but they also had Larry Ogunjobi in, in the middle. You go to week two, Aaron Donald. He's lining up against Burford. He's lining up against everybody. Week three, when the 49ers moved back against the, the uh, went back home against the New York Giants, Dexter Lawrence was lined up in the middle, so that was a tough test for Burford. They ran a three-four, so Leonard Williams also got a share of reps against the guards. Um, I think Arizona was the only bad defensive line that the 49ers have played because then the Dallas Cowboys came in and Oso Digazua was giving Spencer Burford a nice challenge. So the Browns are going to be kind of the the final test and this string of just awesome. Uh, talent that the 49ers are playing along the defensive line over the the course of the first five, six weeks of the season, then it might ease up a little bit. But this trial by fire, I think, was good for Spencer Burford. It was good for Colton McKivitz. And I don't see the 49ers making any changes because I think these guys are going to play into better pass protection as the season goes along. Right. And um, yeah, I think they like the fact that Feliciano is there to step in at center or guard if there is an injury there. Um, you know, I answered that question by noting that Mike McClinchy had obviously tons of pass protection injuries uh, during his uh, tenure with the 49ers. And the 49ers uh, tolerated that because he was such a good uh, run blocker. Um, and sometimes that ability trumps the uh, um, issues in pass protection. So that, that seems to be the case for uh, Spencer Burford as well. We got a... a a uh, question from No ET. Considering how potent the Browns' pass rush is, could this be a game uh, where Jordan Mason breaks out? Mason looks like an unstoppable force on most carries. Quite a luxury the 49ers have in the backfield. Um, yeah, I mean, Mason it ha- has been great as the, uh, as the number two while Elijah Mitchell deals with a knee injury. I don't think he's going to supplant uh christian mccaffrey but uh this is an interesting concept uh is sort of punish that uh aggressive defensive line with even more aggressive um kind of uh pounding attacking running style and that's what that's what mason brings uh there's not a lot of uh uh as you noted guile in, in his running it's straight ahead it's forceful and um boy it was uh um, very effective against a weakened um, Cowboys defense late in that game. But I don't think that the 49ers changed course from what they've been doing, which is an awful lot of Christian McCaffrey early on. And then if the opportunity calls for it, some uh, tenderizing with Jordan Mason later in the game. Yeah, that, that was his role last year. I think he, it's similar this year, but probably with a little uptick in carries. I thought it was hilarious that he pointed toward the end zone with 12 yards still to go. And then it was even funnier when he realized, oh boy, somebody could still catch me. This would look really bad if they, if they did. So he stopped pointing and put his head down and started sprinting even faster. But I mean, he's, he's nearly 230 pounds. So think about that. Christian McCaffrey is running as physically as ever this year. He's, he's running people over again, even on his fumble. McCaffrey wasn't on his back. The defender was on his back. So McCaffrey is here pounding opponents into submission. And then you go to somebody who's significantly bigger and stronger than him, uh, Jordan Mason, later in the game. And nobody wants to get in front of that, right? Uh, Trent Williams said last year, I saw a lot of safeties making business decisions once, once Jordan Mason came into the game and got a full head of steam. So the 49ers just have this really complimentary uh, stable of talent. Uh, offensively and in the running back room where you have different guys specializing in different things. And and Jordan Mason is ideal as that closer down the stretch. So it's, this team is so, so talented, Matt, that just, just zoom out and, and, and talk about that. You you have guys like Jordan Mason could probably start elsewhere, right? He's not because they have Christian McCaffrey. You talk about some of the players on defense, Oren Burks, Oren Burks, is one of the highest graded uh, defensive players in all football this year. He's the third linebacker. So, yeah, I get it. It's a smaller sample size as the third linebacker. But the point is that even last year's third linebacker, he went to a different team and became a starter right away, and Aziz Alshire. So you go up and down this 49ers roster, and you see the same pattern repeat itself, and that is quality players who have 
role-playing kind of jobs who probably would be starters and, and full-time guys elsewhere, but that's what makes this 49ers team so good. They've got the A-listers on top. They have a lot of A-listers, but they also have a lot of good supporting talent like Jordan Mason. Yeah, I would say that linebacker and running back are their two deepest positions. And, um, you know, that, that came up this week. We had to submit, um, you know, all, all 32 teams um, for the athletic had to submit uh, uh, the one guy that they might uh, be able to put up for a trade. And I uh, I wrote uh, TDP, Tyrion Davis-Price, but you're right. Oren Burks would be an interesting trade candidate, too. I don't think that the 49ers trade anybody. They're probably in um, an import uh, situation, way more than an export situation. But that was the assignment. Um, And that also brings up a question. We're getting a question, David, from Wales. This might be unprecedented for the the live room here. This is from Guy D. He says, uh, just wondering if you have heard any rumors of future trades, maybe the O-line with the trade deadline coming up. Um, Obviously, the 49ers just traded for a D-lineman in Randy Gregory. Um, David, any names that you've seen, uh, heard about, um, that make sense for uh, another trade before the trade deadline pops up later this month? Well, we can't rule anything out because I think that the 49ers have established themselves as the most aggressive front office in football as far as moves before the trade deadline. A couple of years ago, the talk was about the Rams, but the 49ers have been active as buyers every single season except for 2018 since Shanahan and Lynch took over. In 17, Garoppolo. 19, Emmanuel Sanders. 2020, Jordan Willis. 2021, Charles Amenahu. 2022, Christian McCaffrey. And here in 2023, Randy Gregory. So, uh, and they may not be done yet. And they're definitely open to the possibility of making their football team better. They have the draft capital to do it. They have the financial capital to do it. It's just a matter of what the supply is, though, right? Uh, on that market, the 49ers might have plenty of demand, but who's who's there to get? And offensive linemen are just in short supply around the league right now. Just the way it is. The the defensive linemen are. Uh, the quality defensive linemen are outnumbering the quality offensive linemen. It's as simple as that. So offensive linemen are an extremely hot commodity. I think the 49ers want to hold on to their first-round pick for 2024 to, to draft a tackle because it's going to be a very logical time to draft an offensive tackle with Trent Williams in his mid-30s and with Colton McKivitz so far only being seen as the temporary solution at right tackle. So, um, you, you know, I, I just don't – I can't just go out and start listing names because that would just be a lazy exercise. You could look up the names yourselves uh, of, of tackles and other teams because I haven't heard of anybody that's available, right? It's, it's really, really tough to acquire a veteran offensive lineman who's under contract given the current climate of the NFL. But, again, the 49ers have shown us that if somebody does become available at any position that can make them better – um, then they're going to they're gonna try to go for it. They're, they're going to see if they can get a good price, and if they can get a good price, then they absolutely will try to bring that player into the building. There was a lot of talk online yesterday of Jeremy Chin, uh, who is a safety slash nickelback for the Carolina Panthers, and we know that John Lynch has a good relationship with Scott Fitterer, the GM of the Panthers, because he's already made two trades with Scott here over the past calendar year, one for Christian McCaffrey, one for Zane Gonzalez. Jeremy Chin is playing a lot of nickel, big nickel for the Panthers. He's 6'3", 220 pounds. Could be, you know, that, that it could be, I, I don't want to say depth piece because you would you'd be playing a lot right away, but would be a good versatile piece for the 49ers to plug in into multiple spots in case there are injuries on the back end. And and I know that Steve Wilkes was going for that Isaiah Oliver uh big nickel muscle up near the box, the line of scrimmage against big slots in the run game kind of guy. Uh, Somebody like Jeremy Chin on the final year of his rookie deal could be that. So I'm just tossing out another position because the 49ers might be a little bit thin in the secondary, thinner than they want to be in the secondary. And that could be somebody that they go after because John Lynch has a good relationship already documented with uh, that particular general manager. But as far as offensive linemen in particular go, 
Uh, it's just really hard, Matt. It really is. The the dynamics of, of the talent pool in the league right now dictate that it's really hard to acquire a veteran offensive lineman who's going to move the needle for you in the positive direction. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I don't want to uh, give away everything that was written in our uh, piece, which is coming out later this week. But uh, offensive linemen were few and far between, with um, Joel Noteboom um, being the, the most prominent name. <laughs> I doubt the, the Rams are going to trade him inside the, uh, the division here. Um, there are... Um, you know, there did seem to be an inordinate uh, number of edge rushers, um, you know, up up for sale. And, and we're seeing that uh, with uh, the Broncos, not only with Randy Gregory, but also they seem to be parting ways with uh, Frank Clark. And um, there are a lot of guys in that category. Um, and obviously the 49ers just uh, traded for Gregory. Um, very hard to see them making another trade at that position. However, I got to put an asterisk there. The one of the Washington candidates is uh, is Chase Young. So in terms of talent, um, if he is truly on the uh, trade market, I would say that Chase Young, maybe Brian Burns in Carolina would be the two most talented guys. Obviously, they're both young. They're both at marquee positions. It would take a lot to extract one of those guys from their current teams. But both of those teams are Definitely in rebuilding mode. The Panthers have had trouble um, signing Burns to a long-term contract. Chase Young has not worked out in Washington. Chase Young is a former Ohio State teammate of Nick Bosa's. I think Nick Bosa <laughs> would love to be opposite Chase Young, um, for sure. Um, uh, but like I said, uh, that's uh, that seems far-fetched given what they've just done, given um, the money involved. But um my point is that there are some interesting names who could be available. And it does seem like uh, the trade deadline, which for years and years in the NFL was a, a non-event has become much more like the, uh, the other sports where you're seeing some big time names change teams. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think that the trades in the, in the NFL up until a few years ago, just seemed so much more rare but thanks to teams like the 49ers who have been so active every single season, I think that that perception and that reality of the, the, the National Football League has changed. Well, let's talk a little bit more about this matchup against the Browns, Matt, because, you know, we, we said that they might have a little bit of a, a trap game element for the 49ers. It has some of those ingredients. Obviously, Cleveland has a really good defense. But I, I've seen watching some of this tape. Looking at some of the numbers, I've seen a little bit of a, a weakness in the Cleveland Browns, and that's the linebacker level. And, you know, I can kind of extrapolate this to a bigger picture take because that's why the 49ers on their own defense are so good, right? Fred Warner's coming off a of defensive player of the week. He did everything. He forced a fumble. He uh, intercepted a pass. He had a sack. He led the 49ers with tackles he obviously had the radio in his helmet so he's directing that master class of a defensive performance when i look at the browns defense i see a really strong defensive line i see a secondary that's done a lot of good stuff you have denzel ward at one of the corner spots grant delpit has been playing as one of the better safeties in football this year but i see a, a linebacker core that's 
been a borderline liability, Matt. And that's exactly what the 49ers aren't dealing with defensively. And that's why I think they'll ultimately, if they stay healthy, will end up as the number one defense this year because you have this like bionic man in, in, in Fred Warner on the second level who Sean Gibson said it last week. He can pass rush like a defensive end. He can hit like a linebacker and he can cover like a safety. And the 49ers don't have that weakness defensively, which is why I think this this is going to develop into a totally airtight unit if they stay healthy. Meanwhile, in attacking Cleveland this week, I think that the, the key is, you know, when you look at the current number one defense, the key is to keep them off balance enough with a run game. Establish that the way, however you have to, whether it be by opening it up through passing because they run a lot of cover one like the Cowboys did. Whatever you need to do, establish the run game, force a third linebacker onto the field. Because if they have to run base, Matt, uh, their their second and third linebackers are have just been horrendous in coverage this year. And we know that the 49ers can absolutely feast on a team in base defense out of a running formation by running passing plays. I mean, that's where Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, all those guys come in. So I think that's the key to beat Cleveland this week. And I think it's just fitting to mention that that's the key because it's what you can't do against the 49ers, given how good Fred Warner and Dre, given how well Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are playing. Yeah, uh, George Kittle obviously coming off a, uh, a huge game against the Cowboys, and a lot of people see him having another big game against the Browns because of uh, what you just said. Um, the Browns had trouble with, um, I think it was uh, Mark Andrews from the Ravens a couple of weeks ago, had, uh, had a two-touchdown game. So, that could be a spot where um, the uh, you know uh, Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan think that uh, they can make their hay throwing more of that underneath stuff to uh, to George Kittle. Um, yeah, how the 49ers handle that pass rush is going to dictate a lot of that. Um, uh, uh, I think that uh, something that's that's helped uh, the the pass protectors immensely. Um, you can't overstate this is just how quickly Brock Purdy processes, processes everything and, uh, gets rid of the ball. I mean, that's what really kind of helped them, uh, against the Cowboys. It's, it frustrated, uh, Micah Parsons and, um, obviously the 49ers will be looking for the same thing again. Um, I'm looking for, okay, here's the question from Doug H. This is a, a good question said uh, the weather forecast is showing a chance of rain what would be more helpful helpful toward a win rain or shine i mean i think that the answer is shine because rain seems to be a really big equalizer uh, kind of drags a good team down to the level of a bad team we saw that in uh, in chicago last year that was uh, that was more than a little bit of rain um and i'm not sure that brock purdy has had a weather game yet so uh, he passes every test that uh, comes in front of him, and if it does rain on Sunday, that would be uh, another one. But um, you know, do you agree that uh, it, it's better for the 49ers to have a uh, a, uh, a no precipitation day than than a rainy one? Yeah, after you hit the nail on the head, Matt. If you're a favorite in any any game, you just want the conditions to be normal. You don't want any added variable right and rain is an added variable that can and and it typically does equalize the game because it makes it sloppier and the 49ers don't want that they're better than the browns the 49ers in their current state are better than every team in the nfl i mean it's it's absurd the the reason i say that so confidently is because you look at the offensive efficiency and the defensive efficiency through through five games that it's not even close. It's like a it, it's like an unfair college conference right now. The the way that they're dominating. It's like Alabama in one of those years where they were head and shoulders above everybody else. The 49ers have have won the sprint, but that doesn't mean they won the Super Bowl. You have to win a marathon to win the Super Bowl. It's going to be an entirely different challenge. The the rest of the league is going to be trying to catch up. Now they have plenty of time to try to do that. Uh, they might be aided by some 49ers injuries. That it's something that hasn't afflicted the 49ers yet. I mean, there's 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 so much that can still happen. But as of right now, they have been the class of the league. And when you're healthy and you're playing as well as they have, you just want everything to to be set up 
without distraction, without any potential pitfall. And rain is a potential pitfall, especially if it's heavy rain. I don't know if it's going to be heavy rain, but there's a 70% chance of it on Sunday. So weather favors the underdog. And I, I can't think of an instance where, where, where it wouldn't favor the underdog. So uh, 49ers are five and a half point favorites in this game. It's going to be another challenge for them. And, uh, you know, the first part of my thought, I, I think I'll circle back to it right now. Uh, it's very clear, Matt, that the 49ers realize how good they are. And they're playing and setting stuff up now for December, January, and potentially February. Everything from the play calling to how they're looking at developing certain players like Spencer Burford. Yeah, you might have some more growing pains with him right now, but uh, where, where is it going to be in, in January and February if you stick with him right now? You know, they're, they're thinking about all this stuff so that they can peak at the right time of the season. This, it's going to go, I think, similarly with Randy Gregory. He might not play all too much in this game because it's going to be a kind of a slow burn work him into the system make sure he's comfortable in practice make sure everything is good to go health-wise he told me that he was 100 percent. felt that his knee um was what was healthy after the meniscus surgery last year but all of this the, the 49ers are no longer playing this season on a game-to-game basis because they don't have to they're so good that, that 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 they can focus on what they're calling to, to have a bigger picture focus right and, uh, you know, I, I just think that that's so important to note at this time of the year um, because this is a team with true Super Bowl aspirations. We've seen the complimentary football uh, just sing over the first five weeks of the season. And now they're heading into week six as heavy favorites. They hope that it doesn't rain. But even if it does, I think that they're confident that what they're doing, and that is maintaining a big picture focus, is is something that uh, will ensure that they don't they don't get tripped up. And if they do get tripped up, well, it's probably going to happen one or two times over the course of the season, right? But the goal is that number one seed for the 49ers moving forward. Yeah, it's it's a good point about um, developing players and setting things up for later in the year. Um, I wonder in that regard about cornerback and Anthony Brown. Um, he got uh, one snap. He, he made his 49ers debut against his old team, the Cowboys. Um, I wonder whether they're looking at Brown as their kind of second half of the season, late season, third cornerback. Um, somebody with experience, somebody who could step in if there's an injury. Um, that that leads us to Ryan P's question. He, he asked, corner depth on the outside. Would love to see some insurance for Ward and Lenore. I mean, I think that that guy is Anthony Brown. And um, you know, there's several candidates. Uh, uh, Malik H. in Oakland asks about Womack. He's sort of become a forgotten man, uh, Samuel Womack on, on IR. Um, so it's, it's him. It's uh, Ambry Thomas. It's Anthony Brown. I think that the 49ers feel like they've got their crew at cornerback. Um, you know, you look around the league and there have been some big injuries at that position. The Cowboys had one, the Buffalo Bills had one, the Detroit Lions just lost Emmanuel Mosley. And you're starting to see these teams sign some of the guys, um, uh, that, uh, the 49ers have brought in in recent years and who didn't work out very well. Josh Norman, um, for example. Um, and, and the 49ers, I think that they feel like they got lucky in getting Anthony Brown when they did. And and it might be that he wasn't fully back from his Achilles injury last year. He suffered an Achilles in week 13. So early December, um, and, uh, the reason he wasn't able to stick with a team this off season may have been because it takes a long time to fully come back from that. And they may have uh, the patience, the 49ers may have the patience to sort of stick with him so that by mid-November or by early December, he is back 100%. And then they have that kind of elusive thing that they, they haven't been, been able to pick up in recent years, which is um, the veteran cornerback who can play well for you if you've got an injury at that position. So that's how I kind of see that position um, uh, working out. I know it's uh, it's been a bit of an issue because uh, Ambry Thomas hasn't been all that great when he's come into games, but 
to me, that's uh, that's how I think the 49ers are are viewing that position. Uh, any any thoughts on cornerback, David? Yeah, corner really interesting to me. By the way, Jason Verrett, speaking of corner injuries, he signed with the Texans practice squad, and after he worked out with the 49ers, so good for good for him. I mean, that's a I mean, the, the, the resilience on that guy, the perseverance to be able to come back from yet another season-ending injury, especially at this age, on the wrong side of 30 now, to get himself in good enough condition to, to sign with an NFL team, I mean, that, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. So I think that Jason Barrett should be applauded. And, hey, he's on the Texans practice squad. Guys on practice squads can be signed off of practice squads to 53-man rosters by other teams. So... And the 49ers have a lot of intel in, in, in Houston. They're, they're friendly with that coaching staff. It's D'Amico Ryan's coaching staff. So if there ever were an acute injury for the 49ers, if there were a situation where they need another corner and Jason Verrett's looking good in practice in Houston, Jason Verrett might be on his way back to the 49ers. That's just a side note, though. I, I do agree with you that Anthony Brown uh, is a pickup that, I mean, this is an experienced corner. He played for Dallas seven seasons. He did good stuff with the Dallas Cowboys over that time. It wasn't a great corner, but but he was solid. And that's another one of those positions where uh, you know, quality players are in short supply. And the 49ers found out the hard way in 2021 when they had a below-average pass defense and they set an NFL record for a pass, defensive pass interference penalty yards. So it became a huge weakness. Teams were just fishing and hunting for pass interference against the 49ers. And it caused them to go out and sign Charvarius Ward in 2022. And that signing has been very, very worth it. Diomedo Lenore has developed into a good player. But there still is that that sense of thinness, right? Especially since teams are running all these crazy combinations at slot receiver and the 49ers are having to shift around, shuffle around their defensive backfield to, to combat those. We saw Kevante Turpin for Dallas this other week, a uh, 153-pounder. I mean, un- unreal to me that an NFL player could be that light. But he scored a touchdown for the Cowboys. Now, he did get hurt on the touchdown. And I guess when you're 153 pounds in the NFL, the, the likelihood of that happening is is much higher. But the point is that the Dallas was able to hit the 49ers' size advantage, and that was Isaiah Oliver playing slot cornerback at 6-1 with uh, a quickness advantage, and they hid Turpin behind the line, so the 49ers couldn't press him at the line of scrimmage. There was no contact. He slipped out with uh, with that speed and and got behind on the slot corner, got behind the defense in the slot corner route, and scored a touchdown. And that's all to say that you got to have a lot in the toolkit defensively to combat these very multiple offenses. One, I mean, now in the NFL, one week you can see a slot who's a six three, two hundred twenty pound guy like Jawan Jennings for the 49ers. And on the very next play, you can theoretically see a, a what a five ten, five nine, hundred fifty three pound guy like Gavante Turpin, which just makes it so important to load that secondary, right? Especially for the Forty ers because they're seeing a ton of quick release uh, because their defensive line is so talented and, and so good. So you have to have the coverage, not to match the D line, but to at least encourage opponents to hold on to the ball for a tick longer. And the 49ers did that successfully against Dallas. They sacked Dak Prescott four times. They did make him hesitate a little bit. And uh, as far as defensive backfield goes, they're going to have to keep their foot on the accelerator, whether it be in the trade market or uh, looking at, at guys on other practice squads. They have to hope that they stay relatively healthy there. Uh, they have another player coming off of uh, Pup at some point, Matt, that's Darrell Luter Jr., who's the rookie. I think that the 49ers have been so fortunate so far with the injuries and uh, wherever everybody is, they can knock on wood since nobody likes injuries. But um, I think they've been so fortunate that they've been able to hold off on opening practice windows for guys. Uh, Robert Beal, Darrell Luter Jr., both players who'd be eligible to at least start practicing. I think the 49ers have waited a couple weeks because they're kind of like, well, I mean, nobody's hurt. We don't. I, they, they realize they don't have to activate them right away after they open the practice window, but at least they're buying a little extra time right now, right? Uh, because it's just not a necessity yet. But the minute that somebody goes down, I do think that you could start opening some of those practice windows at the very least, and, and you at least have that in your arsenal uh, to replenish some depth moving forward. Yeah, I could probably add Danny Gray to that list. Oh, uh, yeah. He's out. 
eligible to come off of IR, but uh, you know why? Why do that now? I mean, I think the 49ers like what they have at wide receiver. I think the only way they start that process with Gray is if there's another injury at that position. Um, your uh, your discussion of of Turpin is is interesting because the Browns slot receiver Elijah Moore he's not 153 pounds. Uh, but he is maybe 180 or so, uh, under six feet. He's a fast guy, ran a 4.35, uh, 40 coming out of college. And, um, you know, the, the Browns went to him quite a bit. He didn't have a monster game in his last game, uh, but he was targeted nine times. So that brings up the question. I mean, and, and going back to the Cowboys game, I thought that Isaiah Oliver, while a bad matchup for Turpin, that was just good coaching, uh, good substitutions by the Cowboys. He was great against uh, C.D. Lamb, which is sort of the perfect matchup for him. A uh, a tall, uh, sort of sudden type of slot receiver, but certainly not uh, not a lot of foot speed with C.D. Lamb. And uh, Isaiah Oliver and the rest of the, the 49ers secondary just did a tremendous job against him. But against somebody like Moore, I wonder whether we'll start to see more of the uh, Diamador Lenore at nickel. And then that raises the question, is it still going to be Ambry Thomas who com- comes in on the outside? Uh, do we start seeing more Anthony Brown at this point? Um, that, that to me will be an, uh, an interesting chess match. We'll sort of kind of show what the 49ers are thinking about that position moving forward. Um, we're at, uh, 46 minutes here, so maybe we should get to our predictions for this game. Um, mine, um, kind of hinges on the weather. I, I do think that if it is rainy and the, the forecast, by the way, has been moving around quite a bit, there's definitely going to be rain on Saturday in Cleveland and there's going to be rain on Monday and Tuesday. Sunday has kind of uh, jumped around between uh, no rain and lots of rain. So <laughs> it's hard to say what it's going to do. But I do think that that's going to be a factor and, and uh, would, would play to the Browns' advantage and might drag the score down. I think that the 49ers' 30-point uh, streak is, uh, is very much in peril. Uh, I don't think their winning streak is in peril, but maybe they don't get to 30 points. I'm going to go 27 uh boy another ugly score i'm gonna go 27 16 49ers in this one david how do you see this one playing out man i i'm i've been waffling on a score prediction here for a while i I know they blew away the 30 point mark against the cowboys but i do know that this is a road game and early body clock start and it might be raining and uh you know will they continue to to put up 30 a game and uh, I, I bet against them last week, right? I said they're only going to score 24, and I was wrong. <laughs> they, they scored 42, so I, I think I learned my lesson. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bet against Brock Purdy and this offense putting up 30 points until until they decide to do otherwise. That you know, th- this is the wildest stat of all. They've now done that in what eight straight games, I think, 30 or more points, regular season games. Uh, the 49ers became only the the fifth team in in NFL history to do that, and the uh, other quarterbacks to do it are Tom Brady twice, Peyton Manning, and Kurt Warner. So Brock Purdy is in a club that includes only Brock uh, that includes only Tom Brady, Kurt Warner, and Peyton Manning. A bunch of Hall of Famers there. I know Brady not officially yet, but it's going to be happening in a few years. So. Uh, to me, I, I can't bet against that kind of run because it wouldn't be it would not be intelligent of me. So um, I'm going to go ahead and, and say that the 49ers barely get the 30 in this game. And I'm still again, I'm still chiding myself for for saying 24 last game. So hopefully it turns out better for you, Matt, uh, th- this game betting against Brock Purdy. But 30 to yeah, Cleveland. I think they're they're blowing everybody out. Hell, I'm just I, they're going to blow them out. It's going to be 30 to 10. Uh, th- this 49ers team just seems to be on a mission this year. If, if this is close or if they lose, then 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 they'll have to reset and move forward. Maybe that early season magic has run out and maybe they did fall victim to the trap here. But I'm just going to go with what's been happening, right? And they've been winning these games by multiple possessions every single week. So why not this one? Because the 49ers have just kind of established that, that they're a cut above whoever they're playing. 
Wow, no, uh, no respect for PJ Walker. Wow, that's, that's no. going to go up in the in the Browns uh, Browns locker room. That's bulletin board material. Yeah, well, but the 49ers will hear your bulletin board material. What would you say? Twenty four points. I said, what did I say? 20, 27, 16? 27. All right, twenty seven. Yeah. Not that bad. But that's true. That's true. Yeah, that that's going to get that's going to get Fred Warner fired up that they're going to allow sixteen points. That that'll. <laughs> That'll so PJ Walker. <laughs> exactly to PJ Walker. <laughs> yeah, that, that Deshaun Watson situation, by the way, is really weird. Um, they, it's Stefanski came out after one of their recent games and said that he had been medically cleared, but he hadn't practiced yet. I'm pretty sure that either let something slip or he intentionally wanted to get it out there that there, there's some kind of conflict going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I, yeah. So. Look out! That that's a bad situation brewing in Cleveland because he has two hundred thirty million dollars fully guaranteed. He hadn't played well since signing that deal, and now it seems that there is a conflict behind the scenes about whether or not he's ready to return from a shoulder injury. Or maybe they misdiagnosed it. I don't know. Like I'm not privy to to what's going on back there, but I'm just saying that the the public messaging has conflicted. To say the yeah, least so and, far. and there was a national report uh, about uh, a rotator cuff where the Browns aren't giving. Uh, the Browns have, had had termed it as a shoulder injury. Uh, the Nationals said rotator cuff. It sounds like the agent is starting to sort of get involved a little bit. So I, I agree with you that uh, there, there's a uh, there's an odd smell coming out of Cleveland when it comes to the, the quarterback situation. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Well, we'll get to see what's going on over there here on Sunday. 10 a.m. Pacific time kickoff. 49ers and the Browns, they're going to get Fox's number one crew. So this is a big game. Everyone seems to be big for a 49ers team that's currently locked in a battle with the Eagles in a race with the Eagles for the NFC's number one seed. Those are the two final remaining unbeaten teams in the NFL. Anyway, this has been another episode of the Here's the Catch podcast. Thank you, everybody. For your good questions. Thank you to Matt. Look, looks like we had a lot of live listeners today, which is cool because this is our first attempt uh, of doing it in the morning. We wanted to see uh, if the morning was a good time for people. So you can go ahead and tweet at us. Let us know what, what time you, you prefer this to happen, morning, afternoon. And uh, we might continue experimenting, but uh, today was fun. So thanks, Matt. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what people say about that. We're, we're trying to figure out the best spot during the week to do these live rooms cool all right this is david lombardi for matt barrows i'm saying so long we'll talk to you next week